Hey team of Eternal Optimists, it's Matt Drinkon here. And before we launch into today's epic conversation, I've got a big announcement. Drum roll, please. My brand new book is coming out on March 8th. And perhaps even better news, you can get it for only 99 cents on Amazon that day. We don't run ads on the show. And if you ever want to give back and support the Eternal Optimist community, go to Amazon on March 8th and get the Kindle version for only 99 cents. Just search for the book title, The Eternal Optimist. It's never too late. And you can download it directly to your device. Now, let's get to the show. Greetings, friends. This is your host, Matt Rincon with the Eternal Optimist Podcast. And it's great to have you here today. And as we get started, let's talk about attention for a moment. Where is your attention? Well, at this exact moment, it's on a story in the Eternal Optimist Podcast that will help you to overcome challenges, that will give you hope. Where is your attention when you're watching the news? Where's your attention when you are in your social media feed? Where's the attention each and every day, each and every moment of the day? And that's the subject of our opening right now is when you have your attention focused on things that give you energy, that inspire you, that move you towards an exciting future, then you live like an eternal optimist. When your attention, however, is on things that drag you down, that suck out your energy, things that uh, might distract you from your life's purpose and your mission, when your attention is otherwise in places that are not helping you to be the best version of yourself or teaching you something that you may use in order to live out your mission, then we got a problem. We got a problem. Now, this is not from a place of judgment, from a place of awareness. I know that when I used to have the news on every night, that I, my attitude was one of, this is a scary world out here. This is a place that I've got to be hyper vigilant all the time and be on point or you know, I might die, literally. You know, when you have your feed on Twitter open all the time and all you see are complaining people and nameless, faceless replies of negativity, or if it's on Facebook and there's a political argument going on between two people who are friends who then choose not to be friends, you know, where is our attention at that time? Either way you look at it, team, our attention is somewhere. Is it helping you move towards your goal? Is it helping you go nowhere? Or is it helping you actually go backwards towards some other goal you haven't even determined yet, unintentionally? The point is this, that whenever we dive into paying our attention to something, that will consume everything that we think about and do. So make sure that when we pay attention, we're paying attention to something that serves our greater purpose in some way, shape, or form. Having said that, your attention is in a great place today because I have a friend up here who's been personal friends of mine for over 30 years. This is the person I've interviewed in our 25th episode that I've actually known longer than anyone else I've, I've ever interviewed yet on the podcast. Very excited about that. Her name is Jenny Bellinger. She's a certified professional coach. She's the host of a top 200 podcast in the United States the Badass Direct Sales Mastery Podcast. She works with Badass Direct Sales Moms who are ready to double their monthly income. She's been an entrepreneur since 2010. She understands the desire to contribute to your family's future and be present with them in the here and now and how difficult managing all these priorities can be. She's learned the hard way. Uh, she's built two separate businesses. She's raising two kids. She's navigated a divorce. Uh, she's learned the hard way how to fulfill that need to contribute and be there for her kids. She's known as a direct sales dom. Luckily, as a certified professional coach, her methods are very effective and not painful. 
uh, we have a good time in this discussion. We have fun. And she dives into some pretty deep personal things. So get, buckle up, my friends, and get ready to enjoy my conversation with my dear friend, Jenny Bellinger. Hello, and welcome to the Eternal Optimist Podcast, the show for optimists by optimists. This is the show for people who see the good in the world and want to make a positive difference in the lives of their families and communities. Each week, you'll hear inspiring stories that will get you thinking bigger and playing more offense in life. With your host and high-performance coach, Matt Drinkon. Without any further ado, I would love to invite a dear friend from the teenage years, a legendary figure in direct sales. She hails out of the United States of America, weighing in at a very light weight. She is known as the Dom, the host of the Badass Direct Sales Mastery podcast, a dear, dear friend, Jenny Bellinger. Jenny, good morning. How are you today? Good morning. I am fan-freaking-tastic. It's Friday that we're recording this on, and... I've had two cups of coffee, so I'm a happy chica right now. And I get to hang with you again. Pretty happy, too. I love your response. <laughs> yes. Have you ever said to someone or had someone or seen a conversation where it started off with, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Have you ever seen that before? Oh, like a hundred million times every week. It is my imperative to make sure that that does not happen in my presence. And if that kind of blows people out of the water and they're not expecting it. And I just keep talking and keep engaged. When you engage, that is an opportunity to be a part of a conversation, which in my opinion is the relationship, how you do anything, how you do everything. And I really want to engage in every relationship that's a chance to do it. So I'm looking forward to our discussion. I've been a fan and a follower for a long time from your podcast, from your community. And since we've recently reconnected and you are a high-level coach, I'm just thrilled to be here with you today, Jenny. What are a couple things that our audience should know about you as we dive in and get started today? A couple things they should know about me. If it's not fun, I'm probably not going to do it because I'm a high eye on the disc. That's probably another good thing that somebody should know. I love disc personality stuff. I will geek out over talking discs. So if somebody else is a disc geek or would like to talk to somebody who's passionate about disc and reach out, I'd love to have a conversation. But that's just totally my high eye showing up as being like, it's got to be fun or I'm not going to do it. And if it's not fun, I will make it fun (laughs) because that's my high eye showing up. Awesome. I'm kind of salivating over here because I'm a disc geek myself. I think I've taken it several times. This is out of all the tests, and my company has a test as well. We don't use the disc, but I've taken the disc six times. And I can tell you, this is the only one out of all those others that I really remember the numbers because they're easy to remember. 99D, 98I, and the rest are inconsequential. Oh, that does not shock me at all that you're an ID. I would, knowing what I know and going back to having known you since we were 15. Oh God, no, we were probably 14 when we met. Oh, geez. Okay. Anyway, we've known each other literally three decades now. Wow. You did just call the age out there. All the math geeks just went, I know how old you are. My mama said to me, don't ever talk about a woman's age in public or to anyone. So you brought it up first. You opened the door. Oh no. I own it. I 100% own it. I remember I was 
majorly obsessed with Oprah Winfrey show back in the day when she was on like national television and not her own channel. And I remember her 50th birthday party that she had on her show. And I remember I was in my mid to late 20s at the time. I remember her saying, I've never felt more like myself as I do now at 50. And I remember thinking to myself, I want that. I can't wait until I'm 50 to be myself. And then I was like, no, I'm not waiting till I'm 50 to be myself. I'm doing this now. And so I'm like, if Oprah can put out there that she's 50, I'm like, I can put out there that I am 44, about to turn 45 years old this year. Absolutely. I have owned and I have lived every single second of this life and I own it, claim it. It's how I got to where I am today. Age is nothing but a number, baby. (laughs) Totally agree. And I read in the bio some of the great things that you've accomplished in your career and very esteemed career and successful in the career. And I'd love to go back and kind of take a look behind the curtain of how we got there and specifically love to look into some challenges you've overcome in your time. You know, our show is all about providing hope or providing stories that can show other people that they can do it too. Because the person that we're looking at and speaking with right now, Jenny Bellinger, is successful. And before she was at this place of what some might call success, she had to go through some tough stuff, which is always the case that people may not see behind the scenes. So I'd love to take the audience back to what is some challenge in your past that you have endured and overcome, Jenny. Love to hear anything. You can start from anywhere you'd like. I'd say probably the overarching challenge has been probably my ADHD. It's something that I've known that I had since I was around the time that I met you, actually, because that's when my brother got officially diagnosed back in the early 90s. He was among one of the first people I ever met or knew of that had this thing called ADD. And I remember my parents sitting us all down and saying, hey, this is, your brother just got diagnosed with this. Here's what it is. And you know my dad, right? Like you probably remember him a little bit. He had gone to the base hospital, grabbed the DSM. And for those who don't know what that is, it's the Diagnostic and Statistics Manual for Psychology. And it's what names all of the possible outside of the normal psychology things that happen to human beings. And it gives the actual diagnostic and statistics behind each of these possibilities. And ADD was one of them. And that it was called ADD back in the day. And he photocopied the what it is and what it takes to be diagnosed with it. And I remember looking at it as a 13 or 14-year-old girl And like looking up at my parents going, like, this is me. But of course, back then, the DSM listed according to what typically showed up in boys, because boys are much more likely to be diagnosed with it because they have much more outward behaviors that cause them to get diagnosed with it because their behaviors are much more... Well, they're noticeable and they impact other people, not just themselves, right? Because the impulsivity control, the anger control, the bouncing around, the hyperactivity, the physical hyperactivity that happens in boys is not the way that girls present. And so it took two or three more versions of the DSM to come out before they finally acknowledged that hyperactivity was not a requirement because that's why I didn't get diagnosed. You had to be physically hyperactive and counted as hyperactive to be 
diagnosed as ADD. So as a 14-year-old girl, I mean, I'm high energy. I was high energy back then, but I would not have been, by anybody's standards, been called a physically hyperactive girl ever. But one thing that a lot of people don't see, and you know, once people get to know me pretty well, they're like, oh yeah, she's so ADHD, it's not even funny. But I mask very well in public. But my hyperactivity and what is probably true for a lot of other women who are diagnosed with ADHD later in life, our hyperactivity happens in here, in our head. And I just realized I'm on a podcast. I have to say out loud, I can't just point to my head. Our hyperactivity happens in our brain. So it's not going to be seen. Our thoughts jump so quickly that can make staying focused in a conversation, staying focused in a meeting, staying focused on a task that needs to be completed can be pretty difficult if our brain is all over the place, even if our body isn't. So that challenge for me for my entire life has been learning the coping skills, the coping mechanisms, and also seeing the silver linings of ADHD. There are negatives, but there are also positives to it as well. But I would say that's been a lifelong challenge. It's something that I still work with. I don't want to say struggle with, even though there is sometimes some struggle there internally. Most people don't see it. Probably the only person who gets to see it the most is my boyfriend, Marcel. And that's because we both work from home. And every once in a while, I'm like, oh, Jen, focus. (laughs) You know, I talk to myself. (laughs) So he gets to hear it. So that might be a way to get it out or a way to refocus and just have that little place where you, you let it go. I call it out. Yeah. <laughs> Let the frustration out, whatever it may be. Sometimes I have to get up and just move from my desk and the physical movement helps my brain calm down. Because when I did officially get diagnosed at 23, finally, and went home and took that piece of paper and being the snarky, if you know enough about this, you're going to understand high eyes when we feel vindicated. We're like, check this out. So of course, took that piece of paper back home to my parents and went, ha, told you. And they're like, what are you talking about? Okay. Right. They had totally forgotten that I was like, remember back when David, like I am told you, I told you. So it was a really prevalent thing with high eyes when we have felt wronged. So I would say that the ADHD has been something that I've struggled with. Oh, where I was going with that. See, ADHD happening right here, right in the middle of, if y'all want to know what that's like, it just happened. Tangent. So when I got diagnosed at 23, I tried the various medications that were available 20 something years ago, and they were not effective. They didn't work for me. And because I just haven't gone back to do that, and that's probably something I could do. It's something I've considered as a possibility just to see if it would work. But then again, I'm also like, hey, I've made it to 44. (laughs) But it's an interesting thing because what I hear from a lot of other people with ADHD is depending on the medication, they don't feel like themselves anymore. And it's like, ooh, am I ready to let go of that personality, right? It's It almost makes me think of like the artists who feel like they have to drink or feel like they have to do drugs in order to be creative. 
I find this very compelling because you've known this. It was diagnosed at 23, like 10 years after you knew something diagnosed. And you just shared as an outlet today, 20 years later in the present at 44, uh, every once in a while, you just go to the side and go, ah, get it all out, right? But I would not in any way classify you or think of you as a victim in any way. The way that I know you is someone who is absolutely crushing life. So you have figured out a way to play your game with this, whether it's to your advantage or you keep it neutral or how, I don't know. But I'd love to know how has it impacted things in the last 20 years since you've been, I'd say, an adult out of school until now? Yeah. It's an awareness of how it impacts me. That's how I kind of keep it in check is every once in a while being able to identify, oh, there goes my ADD scroll brain. The awareness is a piece of it. The coping mechanisms, it's really funny to me, the number of people who say, oh my gosh, you are so organized. And I'm like, I don't feel that way, but I know that there are things that I do that are much more regimented, that feel like organization to other people out of necessity. For me, one of the things that one of the coping mechanisms that I have put into place for all of this is everything goes in the calendar. My social stuff, my business stuff, my responsibilities in life, including like laundry and groceries, if that stuff doesn't get put on the calendar, it doesn't get done. And then all of a sudden I'm like, ah, crap, I'm out of clean underwear. You know? <laughs> and it's my digital calendar. Once upon a time, I did the paper calendar thing. The problem with paper calendars is they don't ding, whereas my phone dings at me. <laughs> it goes, ding, you have something in 10 minutes. Like my brain hears that one particular sound from my calendar and it's my thing that, okay, get ready to to change over. There's something coming in 10 minutes. And so that helps me with the transition because ADD brains also have difficulty with transition. So that's one of the coping mechanisms that I've come up with is doing that. And then secondly, being extremely organized in some areas of my life also means that sometimes in other areas of my life, I'm not organized at all. So, you know, people go, oh my gosh, you're so organized. And I'm like, yes, let's classify that in my business. If you were to see my house at some points in my life, oh no. So I've hired a professional organizer to come help me with my house because I get overwhelmed when there's an area that's too much. Like my brain looks at it and goes, no. Like, are you familiar with the comedian Lewis Black? Okay. So one of his bits on stage is when he gets frustrated, right? Because he's literally the guy who played anger in Inside Out. Another great kids movie. Right? And that, exactly. I'm a grown-up kid. Ditto. Me too. Yeah. But my head, when I look at a space in my house, just has too much stuff and it needs to be organized. My brain goes into Lewis Black mode, which is like, frustrated and just nope and then f-bomb like that's what happens literally in my brain and I walk away because I just can't and I understand the non-ADD person who looks at that pile and goes just pick something up and do something with it like just do one thing but my brain goes I don't know where to start like I don't know what to do so I've hired a professional organizer to help me with that one of the things that she helped me identify about myself was when things are really, really busy in my life, 
like the flat surfaces in my life get cluttered with stuff because I don't put things away where they belong because I'm in such a hurry to get things done. And so I'm just putting things on flat surfaces. So tables, counters, my desk. Right now, my desk is fairly clean except for my box of podcast magazine that's behind me that I need to give out to some people. But if you were to see part of my desk that isn't viewable on my camera, (laughs) it's insane. The piles of papers and books and I have all kinds of fun things here on my desk, but that's the the more cluttered things are on flat surfaces, the more I realize there's a lot of stuff going on up here. And so when I clear the clutter, it, yeah. So those are some interesting coping mechanisms and it all starts with the awareness, right? Just knowing. Well, let's take that awareness. You just said that there are a number of things behind the camera that I cannot see. Some of those are books. I'm curious if you can grab one of those books out. What's one book on the desk of an incredibly high performer that you might be able to share with us. And if you're like me, you might have occasionally, there's 10 books and I've read 12 pages in each of them and four of them on the list to go. Oh, thank goodness. I'm not the only one who does that. All right. So I've got three books right now that pretty much stay on my desk all the time because I am not a religious person. And so these are the closest thing I have to my business Bibles. The first one being The Success Principles by Jack Canfield. This one was a life changer. If somebody has not read this book, get it, read it. It's amazing. It literally changed my life so much so that I can tell you the year that I first read it, and I have reread it two and three times, at least between then and now. So I first read this book in 2013, and it completely changed my life, changed my business, everything for the better. And I absolutely adore this book. Why? How did reading that book of all the books? I think it's the fact that there were some things in there that really helped me lay out some mindset stuff. So one of them is the 100%, the number one success principle. The first one he puts out there is 100% radical responsibility, meaning I'm taking responsibility for everything that happens. And people go, but wait, that not everything is your fault, right? There's a difference between fault and responsibility. And one of my other favorite books is The Subtle Art of Not Giving Enough by Mark Manson. And in that book, he explains the difference between fault and responsibility. So his analogy is brilliantly done, which is you hear a knock on your door. It's the middle of the night you go open the door and there is a baby on your doorstep. Somebody has left a baby on your doorstep. That is not your fault. But now this baby has been left in front of you and it's your responsibility. Unless you're a complete a-hole. And those are Mark Manson's words. So that's the difference, right? Not your fault that there's a baby there, but you take responsibility for it. So a problem, a difficulty, something shows up in your life, it may not be your fault. You get stuck in traffic on the way to a really important meeting or whatever. Not your fault that someone else had a major accident and you're stuck on the highway in a parking lot situation. But it is your responsibility to inform people that you're going to be late. It is your responsibility moving forward to make sure, you know what, if it's a big meeting, I'm going to leave an hour early to make sure I get there. Like, what are you going to do to make sure that doesn't happen again? That's the responsibility piece. A couple of the other really 
big pieces that came out from that was knowing your goals, being super clear about what you want. One of the homework pieces he has you do in this book is write 101 goals. So in 2013, I wrote 101 goals and I put them on index cards and I found that stack of index cards a couple of years ago. And it was amazing how many of them had come true, even though I had forgotten all about them because they were in the index cards. It was taking my family to Walt Disney World. I got to go to Paris. You know, all these things that were on my 101 goals had come true. And some of them came true in different ways that I wasn't anticipating, which is really interesting the way the universe works like that. But just going through those goals was eye-opening. I So I'd written those down in 2013. I found it in 2020 when we were cleaning things up, moving things around here in the office. and. I think I had finished about a third of them, t- between 25 and 30 of them out of 101. Wow. Okay. Yeah. In fewer than 10 years. And some of them were ones that were like life goals, ones that I wanted to accomplish sometime before I died. They were bucket list kind of things. And so to be able to cross a lot of that off, I was like, all right, well, now I get to go add 25 more to refill that list. <laughs> okay. I'm going to bring you back now. Three books. They're on your desk. Jack Canfield one. Got it. Uh, Good call. Networking like a pro. Why? Networking is a major part of my life. I have been a member of BNI since 2011, and BNI changed my life, changed my business, changed how I thought about my business. At the time, I was in the world of direct sales. And so, even though I called it a business, I really didn't believe it in my head until I joined this professional networking group. And then all of a sudden, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm legit now. This is for real this is a business now. And then they taught me business. It taught me building business through relationship. They leveled up my ability to connect with people in a business sense, but still have that personal relationship with people. And now all the people in my life who mean the most to me, I met because of BNI. Every single one of them. I love Networking Like a Pro. It's by Dr. Ivan Meisner and my good friend, Brian Hilliard. So absolutely adore that book. And then the one that's really good in my industry, in the world of direct sales, is the 45-second presentation that will change your life by Don Faela. So for people who are in direct sales and network marketing and MLM, that book lays out a strategy for building and growing an empire. It's 45-second presentations. Wow. Absolutely love it. Today's sponsor for the Eternal Optimist podcast is reach out and touch someone. Yes, that may sound like an old 80s catchphrase uh, used by some other big company, and it might be. I also want to encourage you to reach out to someone you haven't talked to in a long time and make contact. Someone that you want to appreciate, someone from your old, back in the day, life, maybe someone from middle school, high school, an old teacher, an old friend, an old coach, you know, someone that had an impact on your life, someone you just want to say hi to. Now, that's what I did on today's podcast with Jenny Bellinger. I haven't talked to her in a number of years, a few years to be exact, and we were really good friends over 30 years ago, back in high school. You never know when someone will come into your life and have a good positive impact. So you also never know when you might be the bright spot in someone's day when they really, really needed it. So take a cue from this and reach out and touch someone. 
I love to go off camera sometime when we're not recording and just go to every single little thing I see in your desk. What is the meaning of that? My wife would say it's complete and a clutter and chaos. And I say, no, it's organized chaos. Everything around has a purpose. It's like everything that is in the world in front of me right now, in my office, the environment that I chose to design has some type of emotional anchor for me that puts me in a space of gratitude, right? Feel and seeing all the things around your background. I just get a big smile seeing all, especially right behind your head right now on your top of your chair. You have a friend here. Yes. Who is this? This is my cat, Roman. He hangs out with me while I work. He hears me talking, right? He can't hear you because I'm wearing earbuds right now. I'm assuming he can maybe see you, but I don't think he realizes that I'm actually talking to you. So he just hears my voice and assumes I'm talking to him. And so I don't look crazy. He comes over and hangs out. So I'm talking to my cat, or at least that's the story I tell myself that as to why he hangs out here all day long. Well, maybe it's because the energy, because your energy is definitely magnetic. I don't know if we talked about this before, but one of the things that I find so compelling about you is I would say an energy giver, someone that you're an energy charger. Uh, Whenever around you, I feel a little bit uplifted. I feel a little bit valuable, appreciated, important, as opposed to the opposite, the energy vampires, which we all try to shy away from. I actually just had this conversation with somebody yesterday. I'm an ambivert. And I learned this because of COVID. Before COVID, had you asked me, are you an extrovert, introvert, ambivert? I would have said extrovert. 100%, I get my energy from other people. And so when COVID shut the world down in March of 2020, I put a post out there saying, hey, I need everyone on my friends list to reach out to me in about two weeks and make sure I'm okay. Because... I'm not going to be around people. This is going to be really hard. Like, yes, I had my kids and my ex-husband was still living in the house and I, my boyfriend was living at the house. So that's a whole other story. I had four people who were here in my life that I could be around, but I was really worried about myself that I wasn't going to be around people. I'm like, where am I going to get my energy from? And what it taught me was I actually did, in fact, was able to recharge my battery, learned how to recharge my batteries not around people, that I could take those moments of quiet and stillness and go, okay, it taught me that I am indeed an introvert. And when I thought about it, okay, pre-COVID, what were the examples in my life that show that I was introverted? And that was one of my favorite places to be was in my car. And that's because usually I was in my car by myself and I could that was my thinking place or in the shower, my thinking place, right? It Because I might have music on, but to me, music is a background thing. My brain is still, because it's ADD, it's still going. Those were the places where I would recharge, where I would go and let the world off of me and just kind of be with myself for a little while. And so that's when I figured out, oh, no, I guess I'm actually an ambivert. I can pull energy from groups of people. And so still to this day, I do love being in groups of people. I love my networking in person. I walk away from those networking situations, highly charged, buzzing energetically, like I'm like high as a kite is how I feel. But then I can also take that alone time, as long as there's not too much of it, because high eyes, we love people. Those times do allow me to also recharge my battery there. So that's why I feel like I am a little bit of an energy vampire, but not in a draining way. Like, I feel like I'm a mirror, right? Like I can pull the energy, I can sense it, I see it, but I'm always giving it back to people 
because I want people to leave me better than I found them. I got to say, you're absolutely amazing because you just shared. I wonder, quick sidebar on that. It's not your normal setup, right? When my ex-husband and I decided to separate, we decided to stay in the same house with the kids for a while to help that transition. Because at the time, my kids were 7 and 10, I think, when we had the discussion with them to let them know that mommy and daddy were going to get a divorce. And so to help that transition, we created an apartment in the basement for their dad. So the kids, they had a room upstairs and they had a room in the basement so that they got used to whenever, if they wanted to hang out with dad, they could go hang out with dad and stay the night with dad. If they wanted to hang out with mom, they could hang out with mom upstairs. But we all did family dinners every single night because there's no kitchen in the basement here. So we did family dinners. But in 2019, my boyfriend's lease was up at his apartment and I had been spending, by the way, my ex-husband and I separated in 2018. So then in 2019, when my boyfriend's lease came up in his apartment, I had been spending half the week with him, half the week at home, and then he was staying the night here. So we were like, this is silly. (laughs) Just move in. We'll all save a little bit of money. It'll be great. And then the world shut down. So yeah, there were times when at the time in 20, the plan was in 2020 for my ex-husband to go find a place. And he was literally looking at places when the world shut down. So we went, okay, so we're going to be together a little bit longer than we anticipated. So yeah, but when he moved out, we all helped move. My ex-husband and my boyfriend get along fine. It's not like they're best buddies, but when we all do family events, they talk. It helps when you've got a coach with a training in NLP having those conversations to kind of direct and reframe people's thinking and how we're handling it. So we just always put the kids first and we want to make it so that the kids feel comfortable with everyone in the room. So that's how we do it. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing the story. And you said total transparency earlier, 100% radical responsibility. And you have lived that in every way that I can imagine so far. And I just want to thank you for being that on our discussion, number one. And number two, that challenge of ADHD and how you've coped with that over time, you've really done something amazing, Jenny, because to take something that could be distracting or challenging or painful, and you figure out a way to operationalize or mobilize to use it to your advantage to to be successful. And, And I would love to shift to what are you most passionate about in your world today, Jenny? One of the ways that I've thought of myself for about the last probably 10, 15 years is I am love and light in this world meant to help people feel loved, be loved, and be a light in this world. I've always been a positive human being. And that came from my upbringing in the Air Force, which is every time you move, you can be all upset or you can get excited about the new people you're going to meet. And that was definitely me because we all have choices in this world, right? We have choices in every single instance. And so in every instant of life, right, every second of life, we have a choice to choose how we want to feel about something. For me, I choose love and light. I choose happiness. I choose joy. Now, does that mean that I don't feel the other things? Of course, I get angry. I get frustrated. I get mad. I get sad. I just don't. I just don't wallow in those places. I don't hang out in that spot for very long. I allow myself to feel it, understand where it's coming from and going, okay, now what can I do with this? 
because one of the silver linings of ADD is I can't stay in the negative place for too long anyway, because my brain's just naturally going to go elsewhere anyway. So I think that's why I don't suffer from anxiety or depression, partly, even though there are people with ADHD who do. I'm not one of them because I choose for my ADHD to be a benefit in that, in that I'm able to say, okay, yes, I'm feeling sad right now. And in 10 seconds, something is going to pull my attention away and my attention will swerve and I won't be in that, that sad place for very long. I do sometimes come back to it. It happens. But what I'm passionate about in this world, so starting with the love and light leads to my goal is to work with people women specifically, and even more specifically moms in the world of direct sales, network marketing, and MLM. That's my passion because that's my history. I was for seven years with a direct sales jewelry company called Park Lane Jewelry. And that really was where I dipped my toes into the entrepreneurial world out of necessity because in 2010, I tried to go back into teaching. I had been a middle school science teacher for a period of time. In 2008, I left teaching so that I could have my first child. And when I decided, okay, I'm ready to go back, I heard 18 no's in the course of nine months or fewer than nine months. Actually, it was seven months. I went on 18 interviews to various school districts in 2010 and could not get a yes from anybody. And so I asked the universe, all right, if I'm not meant to be teaching, what am I meant to do? And two days later, an invitation to a direct sales jewelry event showed up in my mailbox. And I did not see that initially as the answer to my query. I saw it as an opportunity to go help my sister-in-law with her business because this was, I think, the third or fourth direct sales business she had jumped in with since been in the family. And so I was like, I'll go help her out. And when I showed up there, I completely fell in love with the jewelry. I fell in love with the company and what they stood for, the fact that they were family owned. There were a lot of things that were just all perfectly in alignment with who I was and who I've become. And I went, okay, this all sounds too good to be true. And then they made it sound even more too good to be true because we were in the middle of a recession. 2010, middle of a major recession. So to start my business was $5. Oh, wow. Okay. Barrier to entry low. You're fired up right now. So I'm excited. I'm passionate. It's five bucks to start my business. And I'm going, okay, what's the catch? There was no catch. It was literally just, we ask you to have your intro party and then five parties of your own. If you don't like it after that, walk away. It's all yours. But again, knowing my ADD self, I made a promise to myself after I committed to it. I was like, I'm going to commit to this for a year. I'm not allowed to give up because ADD people have a tendency to, when things are hard, go, it's too hard. I give up. And they move on, like switch, right? Time to move on. And I was like, I'm not going to do that with this because I've got to give this a real shot. If this is a real business, I'm not going to turn this into a business in 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, six months. I got to give it at least a year. Well, by the end of my first year, I had promoted once and then double promoted. I had a team of about eight ladies at the end of the first year. I had earned two trips. I had earned my first car bonus. I had like all the things. And I went, okay, the new commitment is I'm not allowed to quit on a bad day. So 
there you go. I'm only allowed to quit when I'm on top. So my passion, my goal is to help women have that same experience in their direct sales business and their network marketing business in their MLM business. Because I think it's not just an ADD thing. It's also maybe an American thing, a human thing. I don't know that sometimes when things get hard in order for not to impact our self-esteem too much, we'll give up on it to be like, well, this wasn't for me. There's all kinds of stories we tell ourselves in that. And it's like, no, oftentimes they just didn't have the right support. They didn't have the right training. They didn't have the right upline leader supporting them. They, whatever it may be. And so I'm looking to work with those people, those moms who want to get away from the corporate job that is not fulfilling them, that is not purposeful for them. Or maybe it does have purpose because there are a lot of nurses who love nursing, but they don't love the direction that healthcare is going. And so they're finding a different avenue to fulfill that health and wellness purpose, right? So I'm working with those people to help them take this business and turn it into replace their income so that they can leave that full-time or part-time job that is draining and not giving to them, that's pulling them away from their family because they need to go to the school, go to the hospital, go to the office, go to the whatever, and be able to be at home with their kids. Because for me, starting in 2008, my kids have never known me to be at a job. They've only ever known me as a bit, an entrepreneur who works from home. I've been working from home since 2010. So I want that for other people. And so I'm working with, pe- with direct sales moms who want that same thing, who want to create that same thing. And that's my passion. Oh, amazing. Well, what are the different avenues or the ways that you are working with direct sales moms right now to help them, to serve them? Please talk about these different avenues. I know there's a few of them. I'd love to hear about them. Yes. So of course, there's a coaching program. I do team training. So the coaching can be group coaching, private coaching, whatever somebody's time and or budget allows. You know, I do team trainings where I can be a guest speaker, guest trainer for a leader who feels like that she's already said all the things a million times and she just can't say it one more time. I'm hopping in and doing those training. Training is my superpower because of my educational and psychology background. I'm able to actually set up my trainings in such a way that they have a very logical flow that take people through the right learning and psychology that they need to, the buy-in, the mindset shift, then now what are we going to do, the call to action. I've created all of my trainings in such a way that they do that. The leaders who bring me in to train their team are having much better experiences than those who are just trying to shoulder the burden themselves. And it takes the mental load off of the leader. So those are some of the ways that I serve in a paid capacity. My free resource that I have for people in the world of direct sales is my podcast. Which is freaking awesome, I might add. But yes, please tell us more about that. (laughs) My podcast is, as you mentioned at the very beginning, is called Badass Direct. It really is a tongue-in-cheek fun way, because like I said at the very beginning, something that people should know about me if it ain't fun, or if I have to do it, I'm going to make it fun. So no matter what, fun is involved. So... (laughs) The artwork on your podcast cover alone is fun and amazing. I know, right? Now people are going to go look for it because they're like, the artwork and the theme behind the show came about as a way to stand out from all the other direct sales podcasts. I am a little bit of a numbers geek. Really, as I mentioned, very intentional with a lot of what I do. Everything I do has 
purpose, even if I don't fully understand it as I'm doing it. When I look back, I'm like, oh, that's why I did that. Because a lot of these things my brain already has figured out. And I've learned to just sometimes follow my gut because there's going to be a reason or a purpose behind it. So with the Badass Truck Sales Mastery Podcast, I did my research before I put the podcast out there. I went and looked at what was out there. And in term, it, in 2019, I think there were about 250, 300, something like that, direct sales, network marketing, or MLM-based podcasts at the time. What I saw from the podcast art of a lot of them is a vast majority of them were middle-aged white women. You guys are listening right now, so you don't know this, but you might have figured it out from my voice. I'm a middle-aged white woman, right? Like, so how does a middle-aged white woman stand out from a crowd of middle-aged white women looking at all of these cover arts? And what I noticed is that these women typically fell into one of two categories. They were either dressed like soccer mom. I came a great example of that. You guys can't see me right now, but I have purple hair right now. I did not have purple hair in 2019, but I am not soccer mom not my kids are not even outside kids. They are video game anime geeks, just like their mother and their father. So it's all good. Not soccer mom, right? Category of people that I saw back then are these women who were standing in their power poses with their power suits, like I'm going to transform your life. And we're going to turn we're going to turn you into a super powerful person. Again, I'm not wearing power suits. I'm not opposed to the power pose. I will stand in a power pose before I go. But that's not again, me. So I was like, so what is me? What makes me different? What is my standout? What makes me different from all of these other direct sales, you know, podcast hosts, coaches, you know, et cetera. And it was the fact that I've always considered myself to be a badass in the world of direct sales. Always. I mean, in my first three months, I was number two in sales in my entire organization. And I had zero sales experience. And I came in at number two under the number one woman in all of our company. I was like, all right, so I promoted then double promoted. That's pretty badass. In seven years, I earned nine trips. That's pretty badass. Car bonuses, cat, like all of these things like added up to, it'd be really funny if I could find an M. That would be hilarious. That would be fun. It would give me a great theme because badass direct sales, BDS, BDSM. So I'm the direct sales dom who helps women whip their business into shape. So that's my tongue in cheek. We don't go kinky all the time on the show, but sometimes ideas, concepts, themes from the kink world to explain sales, business, leadership concepts to people in a way that is way more interesting than anybody else has ever explained it in the history of ever. Fantastic. And on that note, I think that I'm looking at the clock. I've enjoyed this tremendously today. I like to move us to a place and ding, 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 move us. Transition, yes, transition to wrap us up to a place of where can we find out more about you and connect with you and any kind of offer you may have for our listeners. Just love to to find out more, Jenny, how we can connect. Well, if people want to learn more about me and the podcast and my coaching business, badassdirectsalesmastery.com is we have all kinds of fun, including the podcast, or you can, the person listening right now, obviously already has a favorite app that they're listening through. I'm on all of the podcast apps. They can find that there. The gift that I have for the Eternal Optimist listeners, though, is my Rockstar Guide, which is how to find your next Rockstar team member. So 
Yes, I wrote it from the place of direct sales, network marketing, and MLM, but this guide is 100% applicable to people in more traditional businesses and pursuits if they are looking to add to their team, whether it's through subcontractors or actual employees. This same guide will be beneficial in helping you understand the difference in using a resume to base a decision on hiring someone versus understanding their values and their their behaviors, how they show up in the world, because you can't teach someone how to show up in the world. You can teach them skills. Resume is all about skills. What skills and experiences do they have, which is great, except you can't teach integrity. You can teach someone how to do Excel. You can teach someone <laughs> how to answer the phone, right? So the how to find your next rockstar team member, they can grab that information at badassdirectsalesmastery.com forward slash rock dash star. Mm, okay. And we'll get the link, put it in the show notes so you can grab that. <laughs> Just click in the show notes, guys. That's how it goes. Fantastic. Jenny, from bottom of my heart, I truly just love you. I'm just so happy to be with you today. I've known you longer than anyone I've ever had on the podcast. I've known you for over 30 years, and I'm just so happy to reconnect after years and years and years of, of just seeing you on Facebook and now reconnecting and hearing your story. Thank you so much yeah. for sharing with us today. We are eternally optimistic and grateful, and you have a great day, my friend. Oh, no. Thank you. It's been my pleasure and my honor to be here. I, I'm so glad to reconnect with you as well. Thanks for listening to the Eternal Optimist podcast. You can check the show notes for information about today's episode. And please share the show with that friend who is wanting to think bigger. We'll see you next time.